0: You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you found 100 bucks on the street, would you pick it up or would you keep on walking? You're not an idiot. So you pick it up and you bet it at my bookie, baby. So if you found that 100 bucks on the street, you'd be a fool if you kept walking. That's basically the same thing as picking winners every week in the NFL and not betting on them. That's free money, baby. It's falling out of your pockets like Eddie Murphy once said. That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay you when you win. Let's face it. Where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do not bet in gas stations on your way from Houston to Louisiana. I'm not saying that from experience. I'm not not saying that from experience. And I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with these guys if they weren't the best. So do the smart thing. If you're going to bet on football this season, don't bet on the Grand Central Cafe and gas station. Bet on my bookie because you can bet on games after – kickoff you can even switch your bet you can switch your sides in the second half if it looks like your bet isn't gonna uh, isn't gonna do well we call that the old eggs benedict arnold over here it's a it's a favorite of ours if you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot you can try a parlay if all your picks come through you will multiply your winnings and no matter how you bet the nfl season is the best time of the year so join now in my book you will double your first deposit use the promo code chair to oct- Activate the offer. That's promo code C-H-A-I-R. Visit mybookie.ag online today. You play, you win, you get paid.
1: territory. The Ravens' victory was a certainty once Merlin Humphrey dislodged the ball from Juju Smith-Schuster after a 10-yard reception and then recovered the fumble. But until then, this contest, for all its errors and questionable officiating, was shaping up to be a glorious David and Goliath drama, with the black and gold, greatly diminished by player exodus and injury, overcoming its fallibility to vanquish the lavender-clad, dirty birds of Baltimore. Baltimore. Alas, the hopes induced by the Steelers' valiant effort would make their eventual, inevitable demise all the more excruciating. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It is October 7, 2019. This is Tom from the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. And today was, you know, other than an incredibly demoralizing day, another Four hours wasted in the dank recesses of the command center. What do you think about this, this loss, this demoralizing defeat we just experienced?
0: I mean, demoralizing is the right word. It's demoralizing for the fans. And I think that it could end up being really demoralizing for the players. I mean, one thing I was noticing is that when Mike Tomlin decided to kick the ball to the Ravens after he won the overtime toss, an absolute psycho classic Tomlin move. Uh, which now, unfortunately, we can't give him that much crap for, because it worked out. I guess he figured his defense was stopping the Ravens, and they did it again, and they got the ball back and unfortunately, Juju, for the second time in seven games, fumbles the ball away to lose the game, which is it's a bummer. I mean, like we said, Juju, it's impossible to be mad at him for too long. It's almost like i mean of course i'm I'm angry at him, but I almost just feel more more. Bad for him because I know how bad he must feel about that. And to his credit, he faces the media after the game and, and he uh, he owns up to it. But long story short, demoralizing is the word because on that first Ravens possession in overtime, the cam or the microphones were picking up the Steelers players, especially the defensive line, going insane, screaming, shouting, yelping every time that they made a tackle for a loss, which was like pretty much the first two plays of overtime, and then they stopped the guy for a one-yard gain, and they were going crazy. Their emotion was very evident, how badly they wanted to win this game, and a game that, I don't want to say nobody thought they could win. I think people realize that, hey, the Steelers actually do have a chance in this game. The Ravens have crashed back down to earth, but It's Ravens-Steelers, so it's a big deal no matter what. But the Steelers could have been like tied for first in the AFC North. And honestly, they blew it. They should have won that game. They had every chance in the world to do so. And after I rewatched it on the condensed version, um, once that was put up on NFL Game Pass, I just got even more frustrated because I think that the Steelers obviously have big-time warts, but there are – There's some things I can report back to the fanship uh, in a positive way about. This team has a lot of talent. A lot of this is what we thought it would be going into this year. And the defense, strategically, there were some good things and there were some bad things, but there's an issue. You can tell that this defense is better. The talent is... It's so noticeable. We used to say, we used to celebrate, especially in the Antoine Blake days and the Artie Burns, Sean Davis days, we'd celebrate when there was at least a Steelers defender in frame when there was an opposing wide receiver catching a wide open pass for a 40-yard game. At least we see them in the TV copy. Now, every pass is contested. The secondary, we'll talk about them a little bit more depth later, but They are contesting all the passes. They're tackling very well on the edges. And the front seven is rallying to the ball. They're getting a huge push. Lamar Jackson started the game. I think the Steelers were surprised. Like, oh, we haven't seen Michael Vick in, you know, over 10 years. And he's back. And this guy can really run. And Lamar Jackson kind of ran all over them with some of the scrambling in the first half while the Steelers were covering in the back end very nicely. And then they adjusted really well. And there's a lot of talent that shows in the defense. What was it? Five sacks and three interceptions. But I think what we are seeing right now is pretty much what we predicted to see from the Steelers in the preseason. But the Steelers have a quarterback problem. And I'm not telling you that Mason Rudolph isn't going to be a good quarterback. And, of course, we have to talk about his injury. That was seriously scary. Is really terrifying. It looks like he's already out of the hospital. He's able to stay at home. So thank goodness. But um, I'm not saying he's not going to be good in the future, but obviously where he's at right now, if we're talking about today, you don't have a good quarterback, you don't have a coordinator who's really able to take advantage of it. I don't think it was a great follow-up on last week's gimmicky performance against the Bengals, and uh, you just can't help thinking if you had Ben Roethlisberger in there where the Steelers would be right.
1: I I didn't have higher expectations uh, of Mason Rudolph. I thought he controlled the game. Well, I I think they're just, you know, the the craziness of the play calling is sort of hindering. I mean, what would you have? I mean, Mason Rudolph is not ready to bring the ball downtown yet. He had four passes over 15 yards that essentially sailed over every receiver's heads, probably mercifully, so so there were no interceptions and a couple he threw away. But he played within himself, and, and we were pretty effective going downfield.
0: I'm going to say this, okay? Mason Rudolph has only played three games as a quarterback. As a football fan, everybody here should know we cannot – pass any real judgment on him quite just yet, because he has shown some moments of, uh, I will not say brilliance, but he's shown some nice moments on the play where he got hurt. It was, he was great. It was a, another scramble out to the left and making a nice throw, extending a play, making a play. We've seen him have some nice moments in the preseason where he's looked comfortable. He was on rhythm in the preseason. We have not seen that Mason Rudolph at all whatsoever in the regular season, but it's only three games in. And these guys, they don't all come out like Deshaun Watson. They don't all come out on fire. They don't all come out like Patrick Mahomes. And he, this, and Mason Rudolph, let's be frank, he doesn't have a, a fraction of the talent, arm-wise or leg-wise, that Mahomes or Deshaun Watson has, all right? So what I'm trying to say is that we can't pass judgment on him. We'll see how it goes. Side note, there was a lot of discussions on Twitter this week about how, uh, you know, Ben, as a rookie, they moved him along slowly and they're doing the same thing with Rudolph. That's just empirically incorrect. I mean, with Ben, it was a it was legitimately a different NFL. You had the number one defense in the NFL. And at that time, you could rely on a run game and a defense. That's rare nowadays in the NFL. That team comes on like once every three years. You'll get a Jacksonville Jaguars from 2017. But yes, he relied on them. But Ben would make three to five plays every game as a rookie that just would break the game open. And he would make them because he was athletic enough and he had a great enough arm and he was just good enough at playing quarterback that he had this elite level talent where he would make those plays. We have not seen that from Mason Rudolph so far. I'm not finishing my judgment on him. What I'm about to say next is going to sound like classic yinzer, uh, fandom kind of thing, kind of armchair quarterback deal. I think Devlin Hodges looked better than Mason Rudolph has looked. I'm sorry. I know Devlin Hodges threw a couple uh, passes that were incredibly questionable. Obviously, the interception to Earl Thomas that got called back and then another uh, pass into the end zone where Deontay Johnson mysteriously got called for pass interference. But Devlin Hodges goes in and we immediately start pushing the ball down the field. And I think, sure, you can say, "Oh, OK, there was only a couple minutes left in the fourth quarter. They knew they had to push it down the field. No. The guy is just much more decisive. When Watch Mason play, you guys. It, go back and, and even watch highlights. He's patting the ball. He's pitter-pattering around. Hodges goes back, and if he doesn't know what he wants to do with the ball, he has a little bit more mobility where he can scramble out of the pocket and get on the edge and make something happen. And to me, the Steelers' offense is completely flaccid. You know they're not going to go downfield. There are people open downfield, and Mason won't hit them. And Devlin Hodges came in, and who knows? I I really hope he gets the start next week. I know that there's a rumor that the Steelers might want to start Paxton Lynch, who is a garbage fire of a quarterback. Paxton Lynch makes Brock Osweiler look like a pro bowler. He has had legitimately zero success in a single game or practice in his NFL career. First-round pick didn't even start a game, I don't think, for the team that drafted him. We don't need Paxton Lynch. NFL teams do sometimes try to make a habit of not uh, pressuring their starting quarterback. I think, I think that's out the window, man. I, I don't want to be that guy who says, oh, Devlin Hodgson came in for eight passes. Let's see what he has. But I do want to see what he has because we've already seen three games from Mason right now. I hope he gets better. If he's better, they should start him, continue his development. But if Hodges has to play, I will be excited to see what he has because I think his ability to move out of the pocket brings a different dimension to the Steelers offense. Because when I rewatched that game, the defense, Lamar made his plays, but they had three picks. They had five sacks and they weren't as empty as they were against the 49ers. They went and they grabbed those things. The interception by Devin Bush was fantastic. That's something we haven't seen since Shazier and Troy. They did their part of the bargain, but on offense, it's like pulling teeth. And when Hodges went in, I think he hit at least two passes over 20 yards. And more importantly, he looked like he was trying to hit those passes. So I'm not here to say Devlin Hodges is definitively better than Mason Rudolph. I'm here to say, I watched this Steelers game. I think players on all sides of the ball acquitted themselves well. I think James Conner still has nowhere to run, but he is running like a banshee and earning a couple extra yards after every carry he has. And the biggest problem with the Steelers is that they can't push the ball down the field.
1: Just looking at the Mason Rudolph situation, somehow Tony Jefferson got a, got a cart off the field that we had to take up. Concussed Mason Rudolph and drag him off the field, which is really weird. I have a hard time believing he's going to be able to play next week. I mean, did you watch that? I mean, he definitely was out of it.
0: Yes, yes. I I'm looking for the tweet right now. I think the NFL said he didn't need a cart or something like that. I'm not sure what it is. But did um, you see
1: them pushing the cart off the field? Literally.
0: Yeah. Security yeah, guys, yeah, you know,
1: was in the front seat pushing it off the field. <laughs> they didn't have one available. That's why they tried. I mean, he could he could barely get off on his uh, stand up on his own two feet. My point is, I think that General Hodges is playing next week. Question is, are you gonna have Paxton Lynch or uh, who's the guy we picked in to picked up to mimic um,
0: No no no, no Paxton will be the backup. North Dakota State record holder? Well, no, Paxton would be the backup. I, I'd be appalled if they started Paxton Lynch. I would be on borderline boycott the team mode at that point because that's just ridiculous. I don't think they would do that. I think, you know, I always look back to when the, Matt Flynn was Aaron Rodgers' backup in Green Bay one year, and he played one game, the last game of the season against the Lions or something like that. And he threw for like 400 yards and four touchdowns and it ended up getting a huge deal from the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, to come be their starting quarterback. He had never been a starting quarterback before. Well, the Seahawks also had a little insurance policy because they drafted a rookie named Russell Wilson, and they didn't wait for the thing to play out over the course of the season. They didn't, oh, let's give the the veteran a, some sort of chance to earn this job. No, it was clear that Russell Wilson was superior to this guy in training camp, and they started him. And I think that um, Mike Tomlin shares that. With a Pete Carroll, so I know we're getting into some of the weeds here, and and honestly, talking about that right now, I hope it doesn't sound like disrespectful to Mason Rudolph because, of course, I I like the guy, and I was worried about him, and I don't know if he's going to be a good quarterback or not. I think that he's shown some ability to do some very encouraging things for sure. Um, the biggest story is that it seems like he is okay; he is out of the hospital, and hopefully, he gets better soon. But I just wa- I'm trying to say the main theme of this game for me. There's a couple different things, but. I thought the defense eventually actually acquitted themselves very nicely for two weeks in a row here. Um, and the biggest problem with the offense, I mean, the run blocking isn't great, but hey, even when Hodges went in, the run game even opened up. And it opened up with a lot of those um, run plays that they used to use with Le'Veon Bell where they get in a shotgun. They, like, let's say Duck, by the way, anybody who doesn't know, Devlin Hodges, we're his name's Duck. He's a world champion Duck Car. He's Duck. Devlin Hodges, that's too much... Weird continent action going. Duck, that's easier, that's better. We got Ben, we got Duck, we got Rudy. All right? Well, Duck will be in the shotgun. Connor will be to his left. Connor will get the handoff going to the right, and Foster will pull, or whoever will pull to the other side to the right and lead him uh, down on a power play. And Le'Veon Bell used to be devastating with that play. The Steelers would literally run that play like three times in a row in a certain game. And that was wide open when Hodges came in. And maybe, I don't know what it is. I mean, Hodges, I think there's something to be said. Like, even though he only played one double A or division two or whatever it is, the fact that he's the all-time great quarterback at that position, he reminds me a lot of Case Keenum or like a Colt McCoy, a guy who just doesn't have quite the physical talents or gifts to become like a truly elite quarterback. But like the fact that they've mastered the position uh, says a lot to their confidence. They got that Napoleon complex, which is really good. It just looked like he went in there and he wasn't scared at all. And I like that because Mason has looked a little bit scared to, if I'm going to be honest with you, or hesitant to make decisions. But even if you take that out of the equation, just the ability for him to buy time and extend some plays I just think that that adds something to the Steelers offense because the Steelers offense really let the team down today.
1: Well, Duck feels confident because he's a millennial. He's been told <laughs> so he great since he was in the cradle. Just like all of you people, and you walk in expecting your expectations are very high for the accolades. And let's talk a little bit about um, another theme and that has to do with the play calling and this wildcat, uh, let's go back to the Jalen Samuels, who, by the way, I heard somebody say that he would have been the next guy in if if uh, Duck got hurt. But man, oh, man. that that interception he threw—not only was a bad, you know, obviously a bad pick at a worst possible spot on the field, but the awkwardness. And I keep saying this: I figure everybody on the team, including the offensive linemen, played catch in their lives, and they could at least throw a football better than your sister. But that doesn't turn out to be the case. I would put your sister in for that play if we could just protect her, mind you. That's true. Well, she's got a can. a little trouble trouble being under center. But I mean, that was an awkward, awkward throw. And maybe he just hit it by shoulder pads. I don't know. Well, it's gimmicky. And and, you know what? I'll criticize. Let's start with that. The, 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 The Steelers, I mean, I think they. Feetner sort of learned as the game went on and, and we, we started going back to basics and there wasn't a lot of that wildcat. There was that double reverse that, you know, thank goodness it, it gained five yards because it could have lost 20 if it had gotten broken up back when the uh, second handoff took place. But I think that they started playing more, uh, maybe not conservatively, but not not but the gimmicks after the first quarter.
0: Listen, it's like the wildcat should just be abolished from your offense. There's a reason why Ronnie Brown came in like 12 years ago, whatever it is, for the Miami Dolphins, and they ran it, and it did incredibly well in their first game, and they ended up running for the rest of the season. The NFL is caught up. There's a reason why the Patriots don't run the Wildcat. Maybe you can get away for one gimmick play every four or five games with it or something, but if you want to run some misdirection, great. Watch some Rams tape. You can have the quarterback under center and run jet sweep actions or have him – uh, and shotgun, and then you run that little basketball pass. There's a million different ways for you to get misdirection going without you putting your, your second-string running back at quarterback, right? But to me, I don't know. It just kind of comes down a lot of the time to um, the quarterback pushing the ball downfield. And I don't even say this to rip on Mason because it's like Mason's only in his third start or whatever it is, second, third start. So – I'm not expecting him to be a finished product by now. I mean, look at Sam Darnold. you know, he didn't do anything crazy last year and he did actually really improve in like the last four games or so, but the guy's only three starts in. I'm just trying to talk about what's wrong with the Steelers because they have this game in hand and that's something that they need to find a way to generate uh, going forward is some way to push the ball downfield and don't confuse this for anybody who's listening i'm not just saying it's a simple fix of whoa it turns out duck hodges is actually incredible and we just need to put him in there i'm not saying that i'm just saying when he went in they threw a couple 20-yard passes down the middle of the field some of the running plays opened up out of shotgun they uh he extended a couple plays they didn't they didn't go that great when he got out of the pocket but earl thomas is a pretty good player to pick that ball off and uh yeah i don't know it's not so much a mason or duck thing it's just uh If you're a Steelers fan and you're looking at this team, that loss to the Patriots, I think, battered uh, the fan base's confidence and I think it battered the team's confidence. And really right now that we've got a bigger sample size, we're seeing uh, this team is more similar to what we thought it would be in the offseason. It's got a good offensive line. It's got a a dominant defensive line right now. It's got some new defensive playmakers. Devin Bush with an incredible interception – Super athletic. Uh, The addition of Steven Nelson has been huge. The fact that the Steelers, we talked about this all offseason. Oh, they finally have three cornerbacks who are actually of a starting NFL quality. Well, all three of them did great things during the game. Mike Hilton had like a a re-breakout game. He was making tackles on the perimeter. He was was playing spy on Lamar Jackson. He had the interception. I mean, we talked about these things all offseason. And honestly... Washington, Juju, and Deontay, there's some times when they're open downfield and it's just not being hit. And I'm not saying that doesn't mean Rudolph will never be a good quarterback, but if you're a Steelers fan and you're looking at what's up with this team, there's more to be had than what they're taking.
1: Sure. And I, I, I totally agree with you. The defense is is much stronger. I mean, This is what we were hoping for the last couple of years, right? They sort of solidified the defense. A couple of interesting things that my knock on the defense is that the middle of the field is still incredibly open. All you just throw to your tight end and you've got a first down. Right. And they still figured that out. Interestingly, you know, Mark Barron got a lot of heat. We were watching this on Twitter. He got a lot of heat, rightfully so, came out of the game with a hamstring pull. Matt Kavich played. Yeah, as far as I could tell, I haven't stated, uh, published the percentage of the Times playing, but he was there the whole second half. And by the way, he did pretty well. He did a, he did an incredible coverage uh, kickoff or punt coverage and uh, didn't get burned. I mean, fortunately, I think this is just like, let's just hope nothing bad happens, and it didn't. But the fact that he was in there that much was concerning.
0: Yeah, and, and Matakavich, we know he's going to make good tackles on the punt team, and we know that if he comes in for spot duty at middle linebacker, he can do some things. I think, I think he was the one who came in for Shazier when Shazier had the big injury against the Bengals, and, and he made like 11 tackles in one half. Like, Maticavich can play, but the problem is if, if, the, if your opposing team knows Matakavich is playing that next week, they're going to design a bunch of plays to get him isolated in coverage, and it's not going to go well because you can only run so fast, and Maticavich uh, – can't run fast but you made a great point I mean that middle of the field it's been open since 2011 I think Neil Coulomb put out a tweet like that somebody put out a tweet like that and I I had said that to you during one of these games recently ever since Butler has been hired that's the Achilles heel and here's one thing I want to talk about we can get extemporaneous here I think I'm worried that the talent of the Steelers' defense is going to prop up Keith Butler to the point where Tomlin can make the argument that he should stay. When really, the defense is succeeding in spite of this man. And imagine what you could do if you took these talented players – And you had a good coordinator. And I'm worried that they'll be able to point to the fact that, like, this team's going to lead the league in in turnovers. (laughs) They're going to win four games, but they're going to lead the league in defensive turnovers. And they just, they need to, they should be dominating people, you know? And and to an extent, yes, the Ravens definitely moved the ball up and down the field, but they kind of dominated the Ravens. I mean, with all the sacks and the turnovers, and they were all nice. So I get nervous about that. I think, um, and John Lettier had, had a tweet about this. You and I have talked about this a lot before. John Lettier tweeted about this earlier this week. I think I actually really like Tomlin as a head coach. I think people don't realize so much of like play calling and initial strategy isn't exactly always the head coach's job, managing the players, managing the teams and the situations. Granted, you don't want Tomlin managing the situation with one minute left in the game, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I think Tomlin does a good job. He's He relates even to like the current players. He related to the old school players, and he was a coach on the Buccaneers And when he first got to the Steelers. And now he's got all the, the Millennials you so graciously referred to earlier in the podcast. And he can relate to them. And he can get teams up for games, and he does a lot of good things. I think the coordinators are crap. And I think that he did a great job bringing in Haley and Haley helped Ben evolve from the freelancing playmaker into a more prolific uh, scientific quarterback, if you will. And that was a great hire. And I think that he had to leave when he had to leave because he's a, he's a mess and he can't get along with other human beings, but you have to knock Tomlin for having too much faith in some of these coordinators, some of these tried and true guys and Feitner. Now his colors are showing, I think as a guy, you know, as a guy who maybe relied a lot on Ben, because there is talent on the Steelers offense. Samuels and Connor are good. Juju and Washington has been open. Deontay Johnson has even flashed as a rookie, even more than maybe we thought he would. So Tomlin's loyalty to some of these core uh, coordinators, I think is one of his biggest faults. And I'm just worried that some of the success of, of the defense on the field, just as a result of talent is going to, is going to make them keep this guy. Let me ask you something. Did, did I hear? Did it hurt your feelings on the millennial comment? No, no, no. no. I, I, I'm I a millennial, but I have the soul of a of an old Gen Xer.
1: All right, the last cheap child who was left at home to his own devices while your parents slaved in the mine <laughs> all day.
0: I guess I didn't really know uh, what Generation X was. That's quite and, that's pretty millennial of me. Hey, so if you
1: look at the possession chart, the Ravens only had four. Drives of over 20 yards. Some of them, of course, were a function of us giving the ball up on our 15. But, yeah, the, the defense was dominant. If if you can't picture Tomlin cleaning house, that is, replacing both coordinators,
0: would you prefer to, for him to replace Butt or Feetner? Butler in a heartbeat, no doubt. I, I don't even have a huge problem with them re- retaining Feetner because once you get Ben Roethlisberger back, you get a little – little leeway i would love for them to do both but again we're only five games in but you guys we've this isn't a new discovery this isn't a fan base freaking out over a couple of coordinators this has a, been a pattern so um Fiener had some good success last year man i mean turning that red zone around but uh, right now and in his defense i know ab left earlier in the off season but you know, you didn't quite expect to not have Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger at this point. So I'm going to cut him some slack. I mean, he doesn't have the starting quarterback in there. Nobody's going to do that well. Oh, wait, I guess the Saints are 3-0 and without Drew Brees. And what happened the last time the Patriots lost Tom Brady? Oh, they went 3-1 and with two quarterbacks who had literally never stepped foot on an NFL football field into game action. But I guess, you know, those guys uh, don't get any help from their systems at all. But do you want to get into the positional just kind of breakdowns or – one more comment about
1: Feetner, and, and I, I assume this was his call. But did you notice how much no huddle uh, Hodges had? I mean, it was almost all no huddle what he got in there, which I thought was really okay. smart. And maybe they had to simplify things, but he didn't give they didn't give Baltimore any time to set up.
0: I'm telling you, when Hodges went in there, the offense resembled the Steelers' offense more. They were throwing 15, 20, 30 yards down the field. They were running out of the shotgun more effectively than they have been. They still mixed in some of the under center stuff, which is the stuff you and I have been crying for, hoping that Ben adjusts his ways next year if he can recover. We need to see some of that because the under center stuff allows you to do more deception, more misdirection. It's harder for the defense to see what you're doing. Right. But it looked more like the Ben offense when Hodges was in in there for the tiny amount of snaps. I know this sounds like a guy having a beer on a bar stool, but it's not that I'm going to watch it again and I'm going to double down on Twitter. And if I was wrong, then I'll say I was wrong. But, man, I've watched it twice already. And uh it's tiny sample size, and maybe you know if Mason's okay, maybe they could put him in and, and just use some of those some of those strategies and just be a little bit more aggressive. But yeah, I think Cod just bailing out of the pocket and trying to make some things happen is is more enticing right now, and I think that it puts the defense on their heels and I think it opens some things up for James Conner and James Conner is it's just I'm I'm so sad for this guy like him and Juju obviously. Side note. How weird is it that the two heirs to Bell and Brown have this bizarre problem of fumbling in the end of the fourth quarter? That's at least two for each of them, where they both where they fumbled in the late fourth quarter of a game to lose a game, essentially.
1: I was trying to think of a, a way to tie them together and obviously Jay ties them together, Juju and James, and then Jalen. The killer Jays. Jay Limson Samuels can start Whoa. scoring James Washington. We've got wow.
0: Juju Deontay Johnson.
1: That's a J bar. I think a J bar is something you use to like break into a car. So that, that might be, I like that. that
0: might be apropos. Jance McDonald and Nick Janette. McDonald
1: and um, Nick Janette. Okay. Let's go through the, there you uh, go. we've kind of pounded on the, on the quarterbacks. Mason Rudolph. Yeah. We put the quarterback. Way, I think for 130 yards before he left. Uh, The duck was seven for nine for sixty eight yards, and Jalen
0: interception taken off the board for him. Yeah,
1: right. So moving, you you want to move to uh, running back and just sort of talk about James Conner?
0: Yeah, I think that James Conner is one of the hardest runners in the NFL. Um, You know, I've given him some crap for some of the fumbling. He almost had another fumble today. Thankfully, that got overturned or didn't get overturned, however you want to say it. But you have to look at what he's doing when he gets the ball. I know people get frustrated. They see, oh, there's no running yards. It must be the running back's fault. Look at the television. Look at the television. Watch it. Watch what's happening, okay? When he touches the ball, he's surrounded. The instant he touches the ball. Do yourself a favor. Watch the other team. Watch what happens when their running back touches the ball and see a hole, okay? Because James Conner... Does he – he gets the ball and he gets tackled right away. He goes down without a fight. No, that's never happened. He drags the guy for a couple of yards. And listen, you know, I'm the biggest Le'Veon Bell fan on the earth. And I was bummed when he left. So, you know, you, you see the stark contrast. And I ended up realizing, hey, it's, it's – he's not a Bell kind of guy, but – It's not that far off. And when you watch James Conner, he's so much more explosive and so much faster and stronger than all the rest of the running backs on the Steelers team. And he's just not getting a chance to get loose. And every chance he has to get loose, we saw a few of them against Cincinnati. We saw a couple when Hodges came in. He makes the most out of it. And so this is still the same guy that ran for 200 yards against the Browns in the opening week last year. He's just not getting a chance to do it. And part of that is because the defense knows the Pittsburgh Steelers will not throw the ball down the field so we can load up to stop this run game. So I think that James Conner has looked the same that he did last year. He's looking good. And I think Jalen Samuels, I think everybody who's talking about how well he's running, I think everybody's right. He looks good too. It's like he's very smooth. He's very economical about the way that he runs. And uh, they're just not getting a chance to succeed. So it's very frustrating.
1: And which sort of you're, you're pointing to the offensive line, which is interesting because the offensive line allowed one sack and three quarterback hits. So well, they're here, doing a great, yeah, yeah. great job Sorry. of protection, but not opening up holes.
0: They're not opening up a ton of holes. But honestly, as more of these games have gone by, I'm not so much looking at the offensive line as I'm looking at the run game coordination. Losing Munchak has been a big deal. Not only does he train up offensive linemen, but he was a run game coordinator and a legendary one at that. So you lose him. That's a big deal. Okay. But I'm just looking at when you're on off, like the, the Rams, for instance, McVay's offense, it's not that complicated. They really only run a few plays and they run everything out of 21 personnel. The thing is they have. Tons of counters and tons of misdirections, and they have tons of – they make everything look the same, but they have three different plays off of every play that looks like this one play or whatever it is, right? So they keep you on your toes. You don't know what they're going to do. With the Steelers' offense, you know what they're going to do. Or maybe even more accurately, you know what they can't do, which is throw deep. With Ben Roethlisberger playing quarterback – and again, we're not trying to compare Mason or Duck to one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play – but – When Roethlisberger is in there, you can't commit everyone up to the line of scrimmage because he's going to murder you downfield. And even if you don't line up all your players in the box, they can have that mindset of knowing, like, I don't have to worry too much about some guy extending the play and throwing deep over me because they can't do it. So I can just be ultra aggressive when the Steelers try to run the ball. And so I'm putting a little bit less blame on the offensive line than I was a few weeks ago
1: that's why I disagree with you that I, I would rather see feetner go than Butler because Butler's players are overcoming whatever limitations he has and they're and, and the defense is, is is doing great it's that the problem on the offensive we, we the production is is limited because of those because of those kind of that lack of play calling so I would rather see and you know what and, and Sean soreette you know So eight yard, eight years of apprenticeship hasn't turned him into Mike Munchak.
0: Well, yeah, (laughs) that's hard to say. Hey, that's not a bad argument, though.
1: I see what you mean. You know, that's not like studying for um, a PhD in astrophysics,
0: right? Just run with the other guy, (laughs) ran.
1: Come on, man. So interestingly, you know, Juju was uh, targeted seven times and had seven receptions for seventy-five yards. That that thirty-five-yard touchdown was glorious. The way in The strength he had to break free What was around the 15-yard line. That was awesome.
0: It's vintage Juju, and I just feel so bad for Juju and James Conner, who I think they were going to have huge seasons if, you know, presuming Ben didn't fall off a cliff this year and presuming that he played uh, similar to how he played last year because when those guys finally get the rare opportunities when they get the ball in space, they look the same that they did last year. Juju, it's funny because he's not that fast. We always say that. He's not that like quick or anything, but he's just um, – he's got an economy of movement as well, and he's very strong, and the thing with him is his run after the catch, he's going to shake off those tacklers, and, yeah, he looks the same. It's just you don't know and, – and I hate the TV camera, right? You and I, if we had it up to ourselves, we would watch Skycam every time. I want to see the receivers downfield. <laughs> Cause now I got to wait for this all twenty two to come out, come out in two days or whatever it is. But there are times when you can see these guys, and they're open down the field. And I think Juju would be having a big year uh, if you know these unfortunate circumstances weren't here. I think Deontay Johnson is fumbling the ball too much. That's alarming, dropping the ball too much. But still, his route running is staggering. Oh my goodness, he looks as advertised, and. James Washington only got a couple chances at it, but he looked similar to the James Washington we saw in the preseason. I just wish that we could break him on a long catch finally, but his strong hands and ability to come back to the ball and everything. It's looking good. Can we take advantage of it? Other side of the ball,
1: five sacks. I'll tell you that the beginning of that game just felt like this was going to be, I mean, Jackson was just going to have his way with us. He did have 70 yards, but defense really sort of figured him out by the second half and really contained him and he was going to get his yards, but I'd give a quarterback, you know, his five and six yard chunk plays all day long. He wasn't going far downfield. He had a few passes, like I said, over the middle where he was hitting 10 and 15 yards, but for the most part, they were sort of some flare passes. He was very conservative in his passing. So I think uh, defense did its job in containing a, a very slippery quarterback.
0: Yeah, and I have to give Butler credit there because there was a noticeable difference in the second half with even the strategy that the Steelers were taking to guard Lamar uh, Jackson. And they were no longer rushing him. I mean, you see this against the great scrambling quarterbacks through the era. Sometimes you have a spy on them. Like one of my favorite games was Ryan Shazier's breakout game in 2015, second game of the season, I believe, playing against prime Colin Kaepernick. And Shazier had like 10 tackles on Colin Kaepernick alone and he couldn't even get a two-yard gain and it was glorious and you think that devin bush will be able to do that for us relatively soon here but butler stopped rushing the rush ends and he would have bud and and um at least but or, or one other person, try and play contain on Miller and just not let him run around. And he even, like, would bring Hilton down and had a nice wrinkle on that Hilton blitz, which worked so well the first year with Hilton and has literally not worked a single time since. But he would have Hilton come down, and instead of blitzing, he would actually spy Lamar, and he did a good job stringing out at least one play over to the right sideline. So, yeah, the defensive line, it's just such a, just such a bummer, Dad that Ben Roethlisberger isn't playing quarterback because you're seeing all these breakout seasons from people. Stefan Tuitt continued his reign of terror. Hargrave and Cam Hayward were excellent. Alou even got in, in the action, and yeah, that, that front seven looks great.
1: Well, the other thing that gave me optimism was the number of passes defended. There are seven passes defended. We have never... I, I don't remember the last time we saw that, and I don't think... Jackson is not an incredibly accurate passer, so this is to be expected, but at least you've got to defend a guy when he's sort of mediocre. It, it, was, it was a thing of beauty that cornerbacks um, and linebackers were, were all over these receivers.
0: Yeah, that's what we were talking about earlier. It's just you aren't used to seeing that from the Steelers defense in the past few years. Like, there's defenders in frame. And not only are they in frame of the television copy, but they're knocking passes down. And, and when passes get caught... They're tackling them, and, and these corners are doing a great job of tackling. Running backs are coming on the outside as well. So it is noticeable just the level of competition on an individual basis from these Steelers defenders. They're fast. They're athletic. They're very young, and, they're, uh, yeah, they're getting to the ball, and they're making plays on the ball. It's such a bummer. So
1: I'll, I'll move to the positive part of the special teams, and that is Chris Boswell. He's still 100%.
0: I think we established this last week, but the bright side of this team being a bit out of relevance for this year, at least as far as the national spotlight goes. And as far as Super Bowl hopes go is that it's given Boswell kind of a, a reduced pressure situation to get his mojo going back. And, and he hasn't had any 52 yarders or anything like that, but man, he's like a hundred percent this year, isn't he? It's looking good. I I I'm encouraged by that. The return game is poop though. We got no – what the heck? Holton? Switzer?
1: It it is not inspiring. As evidenced by the fact we kicked in overtime, they actually started to argue with that logic. He wasn't confident that we would get the ball back in good field position.
0: Damn it. Well, either way, um, it is nice to see Boswell hitting kicks like that. It's pretty cool. You and I – I mean, at least I was saying through the whole offseason that I'm not really sure about – a guy really being able to recover from such a disastrous season like he yeah, had last year. Usually, they have to have a change of scenery; they have to go to a new team. Um, but it looks like so far so good with Boswell. Now we haven't seen him in any real pressure situations, like a forty-nine yarder in a playoff type of game, even if it's in a regular season. We haven't seen him in anything like that. But I, I'd say this is a great way to get your confidence going again.
1: Yeah, quietly, eyes off of you. Yeah. So next week, uh, we travel to the West Coast to play the
0: Chargers. Yep. I, I'm worried that uh, these West Coast games, first off, they're just very difficult for the Steelers. I think Tom was only won one, which was, ironically, off of a wildcat snap to Le'Veon Bell against the Chargers with Michael Vick, who couldn't throw the forward pass. So the Steelers won the last time they played the Chargers without being able to throw a forward pass. So maybe it'll happen again this time. But you just got to think they're going to be so deflated from losing a game that they had in hand, but Hey, it's a very talented team. So it may not be that simple. And, and I think that they showed a lot of really encouraging things in this game against the Ravens. And that's almost what makes the loss so disappointing because I think that the Steelers actually look pretty good right now. They're doing a lot of things. Well,
1: yeah. And um, as we say, there are still a lot, ga- a lot of games left.
0: There are. And, and, you know, the the downfield passing, I obviously highlighted that a lot. And, And at the end of the day, Connor and Juju and those guys aren't getting much of an opportunity to make a play, but somebody's got to, right? The other big thing that's missing from the team is, besides the defensive scheming, is... Like, you just need somebody to t- to put the team on their back offensively. I don't know if it's Connor. I don't know if it's Juju. You would assume it would be Juju or Vance or Deontay or maybe get a couple deep ones to Washington. But I'd like to see the coaches open it up even a little bit more, even though they didn't do a terrible job this game. And, uh, yeah, just a bummer of loss. Sucks to lose to the Ravens and sucks to go to 1-4. of four.
1: Yeah, and November is pretty brutal. I'm not giving – and I'm not giving up the ship. I mean, we've got Miami in our sights in, in a couple of weeks. That's right. And I don't care what anybody says. I do look <laughs> ahead. Because here it is. The schedule's right in front of me. But it's the Browns, Bengals, followed by the Browns. So not, not that I'm that not worried about the Bengals. but um,
0: The Browns anyway. will not be easy. Yeah, based on how the Ravens played today, the Browns are looking like a, a nice favorite for the AFC North, unless they lose this Monday night to the 49ers. But in that case the division we thought would be the best in football might just be a a crap fest.
1: All right. So I think that does it for tonight. Check us out on Instagram at Steelers Outpost. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Leave us a note at the website, SteelersOutpost.com or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers.
0: Okay, bye-bye. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
2: I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen.
1: indeed.com slash match terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed
2: welcome to fail better david duchovny's new podcast with lemonada media on fail better david who has experienced both low and high profile failures throughout his life explores the vast world of failure how it holds us back